morning, let's go to Numbers chapter number 20. Numbers chapter number 20, please. Find your place in Numbers chapter number 20. I invite you to stand with us for the reading and reverence of the Word of God. The Bible said in Numbers chapter number 20 and verse number 7, And the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, Take the rod, and gather thou the assembly together, thou and Aaron thy brother, and speak ye unto the rock before their eyes. And it shall give forth his water. Thou shalt bring forth to them water out of the rock. So thou shalt give the congregation and their beast drink. And Moses took the rod from before the Lord as he commanded him. And Moses and Aaron gathered the congregation together before the rock. And he said unto them, Here now, ye rebels, must we fetch you water out of this rock. And Moses lifted up his hand, and with his rod he smote the rock twice, and the water came out abundantly. And the congregation drank, and their beast also. And the Lord spake unto Moses and Aaron, Because ye believe me not, to sanctify me in the eyes of the children of Israel, therefore ye shall not bring this congregation into the land which I have given them. This is the water of Meribah, because the children of Israel strove with the Lord, and he was sanctified in them. You can be seated. Heavenly Father, help us now. We pray and do what we cannot do. Speak to your people, we do ask. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. I want you to take notice, if you will, in this portion of Scripture that not only do we realize in context of the life of Moses and what we learn about Moses and his relationship to God uh, in relation to the children of Israel, we understand that Moses was called to be that of a leader. Uh, but the interesting thing here in this situation is every time the people had a complaint concerning that of God, they went to Moses as if it was Moses' fault or if Moses had failed them in some way. All right, They did not have the mindset to look at themselves but they had the mindset to look at someone else. And we have a mindset as people naturally to do the very same thing. To automatically want to look at someone else, but to not take notice of our own life and what it is that we are doing that may be causing or uh, may be uh, adding to a certain problem or a certain situation. Now, I don't want to stay there, but here's what I want you to see. God tells uh, the Moses here in verse 8 to take the rod and gather thou the assembly together. Now we understand that Moses gets himself into trouble because Moses doesn't speak to this rock. Moses takes the, the rod and hits the rock twice and we know that he done it when he was angry, right? And so because we understand that, why did the Lord want Moses to take the rod? 
It was commanded of him to take the rod. And the Bible said here that verse 9, And Moses took the rod from before the Lord as he had commanded him. Now, the Lord did not expect Moses to use the rod, but the Lord expected Moses to have the rod. Now, that's interesting because we're going to find here that the Lord doesn't punish the children of Israel for the lack of obedience to God's command by Moses. God intended to take care of God's chosen people that he called out of Egypt whether Moses obeyed him or whether he did not. Because Moses failed to do what God told him to do, it did not have repercussions on the children of Israel in this instant. They still had the opportunity to drink of the water and for their animals to have water to drink as well. Now the Lord told Moses and Aaron to distribute the water. In other words, everything and we find in this passage of Scripture, Moses was the middle man. Moses, if the children of Israel were going to get it, it was going to be done through Moses. And Moses was that uh, kind of that intermediator or that go-between uh, fellow. All right? You'll find and we understand that when Elijah told Ahab that there would be no rain for three, no dew nor rain for three years, that he made it clear that it would be by the voice of Elijah. Now, that's important, and I began to look at these verses, and I began to see what the Lord's doing here, and it kind of stood me back in amazement because I've read through these verses of Scripture. But it caught my attention that the Lord made it known to Ahab that there would be no dew nor rain, but he wanted Elijah to express that it would come by the mouth of Elijah. Now Moses, we know, is a leader that's been called to lead these people and no doubt that they needed a leader because every time that the, the going got rough, they wanted to come down on Moses and say, well, we would have been better off back in Egypt. But Moses had to keep a cool head and a cool tongue and get along with God and, and allow the Lord to lead him in spite of the pressure that the people put on him, right? But here's what's interesting. The Bible says, take the rod... And gather thou the assembly together. Now the Lord didn't tell Moses you go down there to the rock. Speak to the rock. The water will come forth from the rock. And the people will have what they need. The Lord said take the rod and get the people. So undoubtedly the Lord what he's going to do here is do more than provide for his people. He's going to teach them something. The Lord wants them present when this act transpires because he wants them to learn a lesson by what's fixing to happen. Now up to this point, you understand the Lord used Moses, but Moses used the rod. Moses smote the water and the water peeled back. Moses hit the rock in Hebron and water came forth. The children of Israel witnessed it happen both times, but they seen that the rod was involved. Now here's what's going to happen. The Lord wants Moses to do something, but he does not want the rod involved, but he wants the rod present. Not that they would put their faith in the rod, but that they would see that the rod had nothing to do with what God was fixing to do. So here's the problem. What was Moses up against? This is probably a short message this morning, but what was Moses up against? He never could get the people to listen to what it was that he had to say. 
Now Moses is getting frustrated because we're here, we're getting into this thing and we understand that because of their disobedience and their lack of faith, what should have took them 11 days to obtain what God had for them turned into 40 years. And I find a lot of times you and I can't shorten the process any, but we sure do lengthen it sometimes. We sure do drag it out by our lack of faith. And uh, so we get to the point here where they, they, they have no faith in the Lord and, and they end up going walking around in the wilderness for 40 years. And here's Moses who's supposed to be leading them and he can't get nowhere either because they won't get on board. They won't listen. And after 40 years of not listening, Moses is getting sick and tired of them coming to him and saying, I would to God that we were just back in Egypt. He's, I mean, he's given his whole life to lead this people. He has, he has chose rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season. In other words, Moses waited in the balance. Moses got out of balance, uh, 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 a way to balance these things out, and he studied on it, and he said, I would be better off to serve God than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season, knowing that the pleasure of the, uh, that the sin for a season would bring pleasure. So he's waited out and he's seen, I'd be better off to go with God, but he's frustrated. And here's what happens to Moses. Moses is fixing to get in front of God. But Moses does not realize that God is trying to use this to not only teach the people that he can provide. They've seen him provide. They've seen God do. But here's what's happening. They're not listening when Moses speaks. And God is, is going to show them that when he doesn't smoke the rock, he speaks to the rock that the water come forth by the voice of the man of God that God, led, that God used to lead them people out. You know what's happening right here? God's building trust. God is going to exemplify something from his man that he's called to be a leader. And he's going to show the people that is following Moses that this man can be trusted. You ought to listen to what he has to say. Now we do understand you don't listen to what somebody has to say when it's apart from God's word. But what Moses is doing was by the commandment of God. And so when Moses tells them here, he's got his rod in his hand and he gathers them together because that was the command of the Lord. And we assemble together, right? And we come together and we listen to what does say of the Lord. Moses is frustrated and angry, and he, he quits too soon. And what he does is he doesn't actually quit. He just gets angry, and he makes a mistake in his anger because he's frustrated. You ever been frustrated? Now, you don't just apply this maybe to the church or anything else. Apply this to wherever, whatever's going on in your life. What I want you to see, though, is we act like and feel like people are not latching on and God's, you know, we're 40 years into this thing and here we get to the place where God is fixing to show them something and it never fails. It's like every time God gets ready to really show up and do something, we get in his way. Every single time we get fed up and, and, and throw in the towel at the last minute or do something that's not right. And, and here's kind of my thought this morning, if I could just give you my thought, Moses was trying to live for the Lord. But Moses is living for the Lord and he's trying to get these people to latch on, but he's fixing to get mad and disobey God in his anger. And when he does that, he's going to be living like the devil. 
Why? He's fixing to do something that's against the will of God. So essentially he's living like the devil for the Lord. He's trying to get them to do something that the Lord wants them to do, but he's fixing to end up living like the devil in the process. We get so caught up sometimes in trying to get people to do right and act right and be right and go right and follow that for it's over with. We got frustrated, disobeyed God, and we're living like the devil trying to get them to live for the Lord. You cannot live like the devil and get folk to live for the Lord. Now here's what's interesting. When, when, when judgment is passed over this disobedience, it doesn't pass down to the children of Israel. It falls on that of the leadership. Moses, as a leader, was judged because of his disobedience. But God still provided for the children of Israel. God's intention was to provide for the children of Israel regardless. What Moses didn't realize here is what I'm fixing to do by getting you to speak the water out of that rock is help you to help them. You know what I find sometimes? We don't know how to help folk. And we beat ourselves out of a blessing and get in the way of God when God's trying to help us help them. Got news for you this morning. You can't help nobody. Guess what? I can't help anybody. And if God don't use me and there's a vessel, a yielded vessel that's got open ears and a shut mouth to listen and allow him to do what he's going to do, I will beat myself out of the ability to allow God to use me. And so Moses here, he gets frustrated. He's living like the devil for the Lord. He's calling out evil while inviting it in. So how do you know that? Well, we, we see the implication of evil because Moses does what? He calls them rebels. Moses recognizes them for what they are. There's rebellion in their life. There's problems in their life. There's issues in their life. They were ungrateful people. They were a fearful people. They were a whiny people. And they were an idolatrous people. And, and I want you to know that, that out of the two to two and a half million people that come out of Egypt and was headed to the promised land, only Joshua and Caleb out of those two and a half million people got to go into the promised land. That's not very good statistics right there for that many people to have seen all the things that God had done. But only two out of two and a half million got into where God wanted them to be. I'm persuaded that there's just a minute fraction of the people today that's been called out of darkness into his marvelous light, getting to see the true things that God wants to give them in their life. It's no wonder Moses got frustrated. And I'm going to tell you something, just like David, I'm going to tell you something, friend, we can sin just like David if we're not careful. And just like good old Moses who made it into the hall of faith in Hebrews chapter number 11, that great chapter of faith that we find, if Moses can have issues in this area, i got news for you, you can too. And Moses was judged after all that he had done as a leader. Let me tell you something. If Moses failed as a leader, better, take, better listen to me this morning. You're going to fail too. Now, that don't mean you give yourself a license to. That means what you better do is open your ears just a little bit and get ready to listen for the Lord because the Lord's going to go and deal with things in a way that you don't see. Moses tried to deal with it like he'd always dealt with it. And guess what happened? 
He was angry. The Lord, now he didn't smite the water twice. He didn't smite the rocket horror twice. But this time he smote it twice. Why? That's showing us that he was frustrated. Once didn't brighten up for him. He whacked it again. You know, you ever smack something that felt so good, you just want to smack it again? And again? And again? My wife was joking one time. She said, we ought to, we ought to buy us about five acres somewhere, put old cars and bow bats and axes out there, and let people come and pay $5 for them to take their stress out on that stuff. We can make a killing. Just to turn somebody loose and beat the windows out of something. But what I'm saying to you is, is he got frustrated. We get frustrated. We get aggravated. We get, we get to the place where we don't know what to do. God still knows what to do. God was going to help that man continue to be the leader that he needed to be. And through a chain of circumstances, listen to me, not only circumstances, but by being obedient... By being obedient, the children of Israel would have got a message from God that didn't come from the mouth of Moses. To help them understand that when a message comes from the mouth of Moses, they needed to listen. That's wild how the Lord does things. It's, it's, it, you know why? His ways are not our ways. His ways are past finding out. You can't figure them out, and I can't figure them out. And after all that God had done to show Moses that he was going to take care of Moses, even Moses couldn't figure it out. But I got news for you. God never intended for Moses to figure it out. God only intended for Moses to mind him and be obedient. And through being obedient and mindful to what God says, God will do things that you don't even realize he's doing when he's doing them. What could God do today that you may not even realize he's doing if you would just be obedient to his will? Just put aside your feelings and follow the directions. You know, I find a lot of times the feelings get in front of the directions. Why is that? It's natural. You know what? We're all born with feelings. We all cope with them differently. We all deal with them differently. We all show them differently. But we were born with feelings. And anybody that says that they don't have feelings is lying to you. We all have feelings. So we find an implication of evil. Moses has called them rebels. Now, quickly, go to 1 Samuel chapter 15. And let's look. Uh, at a, a familiar verse of scripture here for just a second. 1 Samuel chapter number 15 and verse number 23. Now, we understand here in this chapter, the context is Saul's disobedience to the will of the Lord and the command of the Lord. So, without getting into all that, let me read this portion of scripture to you and try to move on, move on along here. 1 Samuel 15, verse 23, the Bible says, For rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft, and stubbornness is as iniquity and idolatry. Because thou hast rejected the word of the Lord, he hath also rejected thee from being king. And Saul said unto Samuel, I have sinned, for I have transgressed the commandment of the Lord. So we understand that Saul has sinned, and Samuel has sent a message uh, to Saul from the Lord. And we understand here that the Bible says for rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft. What did Moses say to the children of Israel in Numbers chapter number 20? The Bible said, and Moses and Aaron gathered the congregation together before the rod. So he got the rod, which was the commandment of God. He called the congregation, which was the commandment of God. But when he got the congregation before him, he got so mad at looking at them, he slapped the rock twice. But before he did, he said, hear now ye rebels. 
Now, how would you like it this morning? And if I said, good morning, it's good to have you at Mount Tabor Baptist Church, you bunch of rebels. And I started off my message that way to you. It was evident to the children of Israel Moses was angry. It was evident to God that Moses was angry. Can I say it was evident to Aaron that Moses was angry? I believe it might have been evident to everybody that Moses was angry except Moses. Because Moses obeyed God in every area of his life. Why? He waited in the balance. That it was better to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season. Do you know that we know that today? You know that whether you're applying it or implementing it in your life. You're not done. You know it. You know it just as much as you know that God sent his son Christ Jesus to die on an old rugged cross and shed his blood for you and for me. And we put our hope and faith and trust in that. And we know that what I'm, you know what I'm telling you is the truth. But Moses didn't realize it. Moses allowed his emotion to interrupt. Now let me tell you what's happening. Let's take a time out here and digress for just a second. Each of us individually can look at our life's problems and know what we're going through. But we fail sometimes to look at it on a broader scale. Now as a pastor, you know what I've noticed? Brother Marvin's mentioned it, I've mentioned it, and Brother Shane mentioned it to me the other night. And we all three have noticed something that's going on. You know what's going on? We're being attacked today. Our individual families are being attacked in different ways. We're suffering things and have for the past year that has come from different angles. Many people have lost loved ones in this congregation. Many people are suffering and mourning the loss of someone. Not, some families more than just one. Some are possibly dealing with anxiety today at the thought that, that they have a loved one that's on death's doorstep as we speak. And there's all kinds of problems. And that's just one example. That's not all of them. That's not the family members that tug on you and pull on you and fuss at you and, don't, and, and, and the burden of loved ones that are lost and going to hell and, and just stack it up on top of other problems, health issues, financial problems, uh, spousal issues, all kinds of things attack. You know what happens when all that weighs down on you? You get emotional. Why? Because you have feelings. And when you do that and you begin to see and feel and, and deal with the effects of all the pressure and the stresses of life, everyone else sees that you're acting out in a certain way, but you may not. Ask me how I know. Because <laughs> I'm a man just like you are. A human being just like you are. I have pressures and struggles of life. Every day of my life ain't in a suit and tie behind the pulpit. I have real problems, real troubles, real trials, just like everybody else. Guess what? They get heavy sometimes. And what happens is, is your countenance comes out differently maybe sometimes than you intend for it to. Moses had it happen to him before he even realized it. Now, don't go beating yourself up this morning and think, well, I'm not worthy. Well, none of us are. If Moses failed, friend, get in line. Take your medicine like the rest of everybody else is going to have to. What I'm saying to you is, is we've got to be careful, but here's what happens. For rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft. He calls them rebels because he recognizes it for what it is. But the, the rebellion here, for rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft. Isn't it funny that God's chosen people that he called out of, of Egypt from all the oppression that they were under and all the things that were happening to them uh, was called a rebel, but, but the Bible tells us for rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft. These are God's people. You know, witchcraft is the practice, listen now, the practices of witches, sorcery, enchantments, 
intercourse with the devil. Number two, power more than normal. The second, the second definition is power more than normal. Well, now, we're weak people, are we not? But the sin of witchcraft, witchcraft has something to do with power that's more than the normal. Well, now, God's almighty and all-powerful, amen? But the Bible does teach me here in Ephesians 2. And you hath he quickened who were dead in trespasses and sins, where in time past you walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit which now worketh in the children of disobedience. The Bible says in Ephesians 6, 12, For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against what? Principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in what? High places. You know what rebellion is? This was a people that was mad at Moses because they'd have been better off in Egypt because God wouldn't provide for them the way that they thought they ought to be. And in their rebellion, they was in the sin of witchcraft, which is nothing more, friend, than calling on a higher power that's other than God. It's amazing, friend, that you and I as born-again believers can get in a place in our life where we're actually supposed to be living for the Lord, but we're calling on the devil. We're opening our arms to the devil, inviting the devil into our churches, into our homes, and into our lives. Why? Through rebellion, lack of faith. You know what their problem was? Their ongoing issue throughout their wilderness journey was a lack of faith. You know what put them in there? Lack of faith. How much did God have to do to show these people that he was almighty and all-powerful? Yet in their, in their uh, aggravation and frustration, they're just opening their arms to the devil. That's why rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft. If you're walking away from God, you're opening your arms to the devil. That's why no matter how hard it gets, friend, we cannot afford to put our hope and trust in anything but God. And it's amazing because it's like when the going gets tough, that's when people want to fall out and go somewhere else and get mad at God. That's when you better grab a hold and hang on like a dog on a bone, friend, because you need God. For rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft. Here's what's interesting. Moses understood the severity of this rebellion. He understood that they were in the wilderness today because of rebellion. He understood they were going to stay in the wilderness because of rebellion. And in his understanding of the effects of their lack of faith and rebellion, he missed the understanding of what his frustration and anger was going to do to him personally. Boy, isn't it amazing? We got 20-20 vision when it comes to what the effects of sin is for everybody else's life. Boy, we get blinded when it comes to what the sin is going to do in our own life. Here's essentially what it boils down to. We can try to, we can try to pick and pull and, 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 and dig, but what it all boils down to is where are we at with God this morning? It's scary to think that we're doing the best we can, but we still find out that we're open-arming the devil. That we're inviting him in, saying, come on, have your way. Moses was actively trying to de deter and defer the devil from the children of Israel while opening his arms to the devil in his own life. Do you know you can work real hard at trying to keep everybody else out of trouble with the devil and open your arms yourself? He's sneaky. He's sly. It ain't no wonder the Bible says he's as a lion. 
We like to talk about it like he's hunkered down in the, in the, in the sage grass somewhere, slipping around, you know, uh, under the camouflage of all that's around him. But in all honesty, that's exactly what he's doing. It, it means that I can be right down here next to this pew and the devil be right there, Brother Shane, and me not even see him. That's, that, that amazes me. How, how, how do we protect ourselves from that higher power? We have to call him the highest power. Oh yeah, he has a roaring lion, but I serve one. That's the lion of the tribe of Judah. I serve the ultimate, the alpha, the alpha lion that protects me. And here's the thing. When we focus our attention on the problems of others and allow it to get us to the place where we are consumed and frustrated by it, we're on a fast track to opening our arms to the devil in our own life. You know, I, I wonder if Moses didn't feel like a failure. Forty years, Lord's, Lord prepared him for 80 years for this. He's supposed to be leading them. power of God has, has been present. Just like, listen, just like Elijah, just like Jeremiah, you know, there's been a message, there's been a proof of power, yet they just don't get it. And he deals with it a little bit differently. Now, let me tell you something. Everybody deals with things differently. And if you don't think that Satan don't know your personal buttons, you are messed up. Satan knows my buttons. Two people know my buttons, my wife and Satan. And they both can push them about the same. But what I'm saying to you is this. He knows your number. And he knows how to plug in to get you. And when you're looking over here, he's got something going on over here. And we've got to not only keep our eye on everything else, we've got to keep our eye on the Lord, and we've got to keep our eye about what's around us. And more than anything, we've got to keep an eye on ourselves. You know, the one thing Moses had done, put his eyes so hard on them that he wasn't looking at himself. Moses didn't weigh this in the balance. Moses didn't do all that he'd done to get to this point for this to turn out the way it did. Moses didn't start out on his journey for it to end the way that it did. He'd done all that he'd done putting God first and all the sacrificing that he'd done and still suffered in the end. Why? Because he quit paying attention to himself. Ask me how I know. Aaron Caldwell is his own worst enemy. You forget how rotten your flesh is. You forget how rotten a human being that you are. Oh, that, oh, that, what art man that he's mindful of him. We're that rotten. So rotten that we, it took grace to save us because we didn't have the goodness in and of ourselves to get us there. And when we start looking everywhere else, trying to help everybody else, and we neglect our own flesh. And we neglect our spirituality in and of our own flesh. You know what we do? We fail. Because we are failures. Who are born failures. Who apart from the power of God are not able to please God. And so here's what I want you to notice this morning. And I want you to take this home with you. Are you paying attention to yourself? Oh, you're giving to God. Moses gave to God. Moses weighed sin in the balance and said sin's no good. I'll suffer with the affliction of the people of God rather than enjoy the pleasure of sin for a season because he understood what the judging hand of God was. 
And even in all that understanding, missed it. Missed it. Missed what God had for him. Because he quit looking at himself. You're going to get so consumed sometimes in serving God. So consumed in trying to do the right thing. Weighing sin in the balance. Doing all that you can do only to find out that you've lost the attention that you needed to have on your seven. When you let yourself go, friend, I can guarantee you God's going to have to judge you. God's going to have to deal with you. And you're beating yourself out of, the, of allowing God the opportunity to teach a lesson through your life that he's wanting to teach. Let's all stand to our feet. Sister, if you'll come to the piano, I believe the Lord's done right there. We'll finish this tonight. Every head bowed, every eye closed. No one looking around. I don't know your need this morning. I don't know what the Lord has done in your heart with the message this morning. But I want you to know that if Moses can fail, so can you. And I want you to know this morning that you're your own worst enemy. And I want you to know sometimes it hurts when folk let you down. But you know what you'll find out sometimes you let your own self down. And you'll let others down. See, Moses was trying to help others, but he wasn't able to help them adequately because he had neglected his own self. Now, maybe you've neglected yourself this morning. I'm learning. I'm learning that we have to be careful not to neglect ourselves. As a sister plays, if you need to come, you come.